I just have a real belief in the impact of being listened to and being seen and heard and understood by someone else as a tool for change and a tool for healing and restoration. Hello, Lizzie. Hi, Helen. How are you? Oh, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, I'm pretty good this morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Um, feeling really excited about recording this episode. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Okay, great. Got lots to chat about. Okay. Well, let's go with it then. Hey, we're Eggshells, the podcast exploring disagreement and how to do it better. We ask how we can make difficult conversations easier to have by exploring solutions to the challenges we all face when having them. Today we're going to talk about listening, Lizzie. Yeah, listening. Listening is a really... I don't think listening is important. I think interrupting is important. Lizzie, I think you're wrong. <laughs> Not that I'm here to so much say to what is right or wrong. <laughs> but you're in charge today. I believe you like. <laughs> I believe that listening is a crucial part of disagreement. Uh-huh. And I think not just within disagreement, but our lives in general. But seeing as this podcast is about disagreement, that's sort of where we're going to tailor it. <laughs> to. Smart, yeah. But I think interestingly, a lot of us aren't very good at it. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think everybody understands biologically the concept of listening. Yeah. But quite a lot of the time we're not actually really hearing what people are saying. What an interesting distinction. And and we, as we go through this episode and we listen to different people talk about it, we will explore what that means to really hear someone. So I don't want to go too in-depth now. Okay, okay. But there is a, a difference and I think that can be the difference between having an actual productive conversation with someone. Yeah. And having just a shouting match. That's, yes, a huge problem in disagreement is not hearing the other person and what they've said. A conversation is like a tennis match, isn't it? You know, you've got to return the ball that has yeah. been served to you. And if you're just serving more balls, then it's, <laughs> you're both going to get knocked out eventually. Yeah. All right. So what should we talk about? So that was the wonderful Ashley opening the episode for us. And we had a really quick conversation with her. She is a training to be a counsellor. She's also a mother of two wonderful children. And she, she has a lot of works to do. a lot in the world of parenting. Yeah, so listening is quite key for her <laughs> in like all aspects of her life. Yeah, And she spoke to us about that. A lot in the context of her role as a counsellor and kind of in a therapy room, but also Mm -hmm. how to bring that outside of the therapy room and how that kind of applies to the circumstances that we want to explore. Because obviously being in a therapy room is different. Right. That sounds really good. Because I loved what she said at the top about how listening is a tool for change. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really nice thing to think about because I think sometimes, I don't know, I don't think of it as a tool for change. I think of it as like someone spouting a lot of stuff out into the world and then it's there and yeah. if I listen to it I'm like and then you're holding, val- it. holding it validating it or whatever but if there's a change happening to that person to me if I'm here that's interesting yeah and I think it digs into if a person feels heard that's where the tools for change come in because they're mm. like oh there is space for my voice as well all right smashing so let's have a, a listen to more of what she's right, got. Let's to stop say. talking and let's start listening. <laughs> 
So when I think back to the moments of real transformation, or the, the seasons of real transformation in my life, there has always been someone listening to me properly listening to me in those seasons and I have a memory as a teenager of sitting in a car with um it was a, a youth leader in a, a group that I was involved in and just feeling like it was the first time I had ever been listened to and I'm you know that is in one sense nonsense because my parents listened to me lots when I was a child but there was something about the depth of his interest and the attentiveness to listened and questioned he was particularly good at questions that was really significant for me So I wanted to quickly stop it there Mm. because she talks about this person who listened to her as a child and how that had a really important effect on her, but that he was particularly good at asking questions. Mm. And I think that's a really interesting thing to explore because asking the right questions can maybe encourage the person who's talking to... What am I trying to say? (laughs) I think that's a good thing to pick up on that listening isn't just about shutting up maybe it's a bit about talking as well yeah but not talking for your own good yeah it it's talking with curiosity basically I think you can ask good questions because you've heard what they've said and you're interested in finding out more yeah you can't ask good questions if you haven't been listening to start with yeah yeah all right cool she's going to carry on now You know, if you ask anybody to give you a list of ways to be a good listener, we would generally come up with like, keep good eye contact and use your non-verbals. Mm-hmm, oh yeah. Mm, and don't overspeak and that sort of thing. But I think that's quite a small, quite a limited view of what it is to listen well. And whether it's in a therapeutic context or not, there was a bit of research done by a, a an American consultancy back in 2016. It was in the Harvard Business Review. It was Zenger, Zenger and Folkman, they're called, and I forget the name of the article, but they did this study of coaching clients. And they looked at the top performers in terms of who was scored highly by their peers and by their coaches as good listeners. And they were expecting to find, you know, these are very quiet people, they maybe do a bit of summarising at the end. But actually what they found was the people that were considered to be the best listeners were ones that asked really effective questions. And there's this sense that listening well is not this passive, staying quiet, just giving the space over. It's this active, collaborative co-creation of a listening space that belongs to the other person's intent that is designed for the other person's views, perspectives, whatever. And I find that really freeing to think about because that's my instinct when I'm really interested in what somebody's saying. I want to ask questions. I want to understand more. And it makes sense when you follow that train of thoughts through. We will feel listened. If someone asks us a relevant question, we are going to feel listened to because they've understood what we've said and they want to know more. And so I think there's something there in when we're thinking about listening in, in the context of conflict, when we're talking about listening in that context, that we kind of free ourselves up because it's not about just staying silent while that person lays out their bit and then we wait for our turn to say what we think. We can actually choose to play an active role in getting to the heart of what they think. Actually, I will understand your position better if I join your team and I try and be your partner, your 
co-conspirator. I try to collaborate with you to understand this better. And that's not the same as agreeing or legitimizing or saying, oh yeah, you're, you're totally wrong. Now I see, now I accept your perspective. But there's like a, an active role for us there, I think, where we can choose to inhabit an active role. And that's more than just the kind of fundamental stuff of just not interrupting, just waiting for our turn to speak, you know, all the kind of <laughs> remedial stuff. <laughs> So there we go. Gosh, so she was talking about questions. She was talking about not having listening be something where we just, well, you're doing it right. You're looking at me and you're nodding. And you've got Staying your big silent. eyes. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Which is great. But yeah, having a sense of absorbing what the other person's saying and prompting them to say more or to yeah. go deeper into a topic about it being collaborative yes that it's not about you're you're speaking and I'm silent and then we swap yes 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 but so in that sense it's not like a tennis match <laughs> throw that metaphor out <laughs> yeah the collaborative thing is really cool yeah it's really cool and I think it allows to bring people together more rather than polarize them hopefully even if you are having very separate views on something what I, I guess I take from what she was saying is that instead of being wholly focusing on like no, no I am right yeah it's going I believe I am right but I am going to open up a little bit of space to listen to this other person's point of view and maybe try and find out why they think this opposite thing to me yeah a sense of curiosity yeah I'm getting a picture of a collaborative sense of listening being useful in a group setting. Maybe if something has already gone wrong, you know, there's already been some conflict or whatever, and you need to kind of bring people back together. Yeah. It just feels like in a one-on-one disagreement, you, you basically both have to be on equal footing in yeah. order for this collaborative thing to work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just talking kind of in a therapy context. Mm-hmm. So that's already a very delineated space yeah. kind of like rules you're going to be doing some hard listening to the person who's paid money to be there absolutely so if you're in a supervised or laid out group setting yeah. where everyone was going to be taking part in this collaborative mm-hmm. listening I can totally see how that would be really healing and awesome and beneficial yeah of course if you're one person going into a disagreement and you're going to like create an amazing space you definitely have to be ready for the other person to take advantage of that yeah. <laughs> or to feel super tired afterwards yeah but obviously if you're then a really good listener what she was saying about that study people notice that those people who ask questions are really good listeners yeah right mm-hmm. so you might then encourage the behavior that you're modeling in the yes. other person in an ideal world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And of course, no one is saying any of this is easy. Oh, cool. And the next disagreement I have, as long as I ask some good questions, it will all end up really happy. <laughs> no, it's not going to end up really happy. But, but you're right. It is, the, the idea of asking good questions is a useful thing to bring into any yeah. disagreement. And the very simple idea of not being like, okay, I'm just waiting for them to stop talking so yeah. I can say my piece, which we all have done. Yeah. We've all done it. We're going to hear just a little bit more from Ashley because... Okay. Following on from this really about the collaboration and she uses this really great word called co-conspirator. Yeah, yeah. I remember her doing that in our interview and we, we were both like, ooh, good word. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, great. Hit it, Ashley. 
can be combative in a helpful and a healthy way. You know, if what we're seeking to do is really explore another's perspective on something that's really contentious or matters a whole lot to us, asking questions can be really challenging. I suppose I'm thinking, I'm thinking myself, and if I was in a debate with someone or a discussion with someone about something that we conflicted about that really mattered to me, quite tricky to completely lay out my emotional stake in the discussion and the outcome of the discussion in order to just really occupy a position of curiosity. And that's where there's a distinction. Like when I'm in the therapy room with a client, my perspective on whatever we're talking about is so far down the list of priorities that focusing on the client's story and what that means to them is that's the purpose you know but when I'm talking with a friend about something that we strongly disagree about I don't have that same ability necessarily to just go okay my space is just about getting to the bottom of what you think I carry the sense of no I think maybe I think you're wrong (laughs) and I think that's actually okay and it's quite human and I suppose the point I was maybe trying to explore was so maybe that we can allow ourselves to think of the questioning and the good listening as one of the tools that we can use to make our own point out. If Hannah and I strongly disagree on something, I can ask her loads of really good questions. If I'm right, then my really good questions that are asking her about the foundations of what she believes might help her to see where the cracks are, where the points of differences are. So it's not this kind of one-sided thing where we're just exploring one person's perspective. It's this collaborative thing where our questions Yes, they're centered around curiosity about the other person's perspective, but they also allow us to find the little spaces, little chinks, where actually this is what I think about that can fit in. So I think it's the difference between it feeling like this kind of turn-taking, your turn to speak, then my turn to respond in this very debating style, and it more being this interactive co-creation, co-exploration. Yeah, she just said it, didn't she? Yeah. I was like, oh, this. And then she was like, but this. Right, I know. It's (laughs) It's very nuanced, isn't it, though? Yeah. And it does... She identified there that you can have a bit more agency over it. If you're the one wanting to be the co-conspirator. Yeah. And there's not been that agreement beforehand. Yeah. (laughs) The idea of finding chinks in the other person's argument you have to think of yourself as a co-conspirator because otherwise you're thinking of yourself as how can I destroy yeah yeah so I guess it's like you say nuanced and a bit more subtle of just trying to get it's not trying to get the other person to believe exactly what you believe necessarily but it's just trying to get them to explore where their beliefs come from maybe but also trying to connect with that person right the way she described it you're trying to figure out ways I can't remember what she said exactly but if their point of view seems entirely foreign yeah by probing you see ways in which you might overlap a little bit or ways in which you might grow in understanding in terms of feeling familiar with something that they say, identifying maybe with an aspect of where they're coming from. Yeah. And that is a way of sourcing connection. Right. Rather than a way of obliterating. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And if the other person feels connected to feels heard they're probably more likely to open up to your questions yeah totally rather than if it's a question of well why do you think like this Mm. if it it comes from a place of attack she's very much encouraging from a place of curiosity and connection yeah which just makes everybody feel so much better 
Yeah. Actually, it's making me think of a conversation that I had with a friend who said something. This is going to be a really vague example. So <laughs> Sorry. He said something that I thought was abhorrent. Right. It was a point of view that was completely alien to me. Mm-hmm. But this is a very good friend of mine. And so mm-hmm. I was like, right. Why? It was also the middle of the night and I was very exhausted, but I couldn't go to sleep. Doesn't help. (laughs) Thinking that that was how he thought. I basically thought there's got to be a way, there's got to be a bridge between what you've just said and what I believe. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you know, we're good mates. I do understand you. So why don't I understand what you've just said? And it took questions and questions and questions and actually at the end of this is such a vague example so I'm really sorry but actually at the end of the discussion Mm -hmm. we we actually thought the same thing oh my god fantastic it's literally (laughs) just the way that he had expressed it yeah was so different than the way that I would have chosen to express it we were both concerned about we were talking about a news issue and we were both concerned about the human rights of the individuals. It's yeah. just that he was coming at it. It was a little bit of a political beliefs different point of view. Right. But the concern at the base of both our points of view was exactly the same. And yeah. we both had the same respect. I was worried that he didn't have respect for these human beings, as you know, but he totally did. Mm-hmm. He just was expressing it in a different way. And had I not gone through that line of questioning had he not been generous enough to really expose his thought process I would have gone to sleep really mad at him yeah <laughs> probably you know I don't know what that would have done to yeah. our friendship at least yeah. for a short period of time yeah I think it would have made you probably pull away from him a bit I've been like I don't understand you man where did this even come from I don't trust him as much anymore even because it was a really big statement that he made that was like what the hell but on that I think it's important to note that the route that you chose requires a lot more effort oh god I was so tired honestly we were up talking for an additional 45 minutes I was like okay I really have to go to bed at this point and then he wanted to carry on and I was like no (laughs) once I got to the place where I was like okay this is fine I just put my pillow over my head I was like good night we're done (laughs) yeah so I think important to remember that if in the long run it would appear that it's better to go down the good questions curiosity route it's totally but you know look after yourself in that as well because it's going to be tiring emotionally physically no and it is worth it it's totally worth it but it might wipe you out yeah and that's okay yeah it's totally worth it and I'm still thinking about the conversation now and thinking about how I would never have ever thought about Mm -hmm. this thing from that point of view Mm -hmm. he hasn't changed my mind but he's made me go oh yeah yeah it's just not it's also made me think of I was following or I I follow this Instagram account I can't remember her name Mm -hmm. I'll put it in show notes um she's like a feminist activist and anyway on her stories she spoke about how this man had basically controlling her and being really misogynistic and just saying hateful things great and she engaged with him oh man and started having, I think they ended up sort of direct messaging. Oh. But the end result was that he actually started to understand and realise the things he was saying were wrong Jesus and Christ. hurtful. And, you know, obviously I don't know exactly what their conversation was because yeah. it was a private one. But it did give me hope Yeah, that there are people out there <laughs> who even if they can come along with views that are so abhorrent to us, there is capacity 
in a lot of people for change. Yeah. And maybe that's about, I mean, so many factors in there, obviously. I know, it's enormous, isn't it? It's an enormous thing to unpick. If you could go into, like, she shouldn't have had to be doing that work. She already is having to do so much work. But that's a whole different topic, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. But it's, but, but it maybe cycles back to the there's there's some reward in, in yeah. co-conspirating yes. for the person who is going forth and trying to model that behaviour. I guess what I'm wondering is, why is it so tiring? Because you're, I guess you're taking on this other person's crap. Mm-hmm. And I know in a practical sense, obviously I know that taking on someone's crap, especially when they are personally attacking you, yeah, is just difficult. I understand that that's difficult. But it is the other person's crap. It's not her crap. And she's smart enough, presumably, this person, yeah, to understand that it's his problem, not hers. Which yeah. I suppose is why she was able to engage with him in the first place. But I guess I'm just having a sort of small complaint about why... Why is listening hard? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we have to do it all the time. We do. Well, and so why, it, it feels why? like we should be better at it, yes. right? <laughs> that, yes, exactly. That's exactly I mean, true. I agree with you, Lizzie. And I also <laughs> wonder why... We all find it so hard, why some people find it harder than others. But we're going to hear from David now. I think he outlined why listening is hard really simply. Okay. So maybe all that will clear everything up for us. Thank God. (laughs) I think the way that I would unpack it is that it sometimes reinforces your own vulnerabilities, your own needs, your own, even though they might not be explicitly linked to the experiences you're hearing. I would say that sometimes it, it kind of, yeah, you, you get to the end of your day and, and it is that sort of like deep down childlike moment of like, but what about me? I want someone to give me space. So it is about us. <laughs> it was about the other person, Hannah. What? <laughs> it is about us oh, shit. and our own stuff. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think that is the thing that we're going to be generally, we've generally realised about disagreement, isn't it? That we just bring so much of our own stuff yeah. to stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great sentence. Stuff to stuff. I guess that what David's outlined, and then I'm blowing up into a larger conclusion is that the conflict that we have in disagreement is so often about ourselves and not so much about the other person. Yeah. Because it's true that the other person's stuff is their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but then our stuff is our stuff. So what is it about what the person that we're interacting with is saying or doing that is prompting a reaction in us? Yeah, I guess it prompts some sort of emotional response or trigger. Yeah. Yeah even if it's not necessarily about the subject you're talking about, that makes us feel maybe more childlike, more vulnerable. Yeah. Which is, yeah, hard. I guess when we feel vulnerable, maybe a bit scared, that closes us off Mm. and it makes listening to the other person and holding space for the other person much more difficult. Yeah. Which then comes back, I suppose, to the co-conspirator thing, because... David is saying that maybe listening to someone else might expose our own vulnerabilities. Yeah. How do we feel better? How do I feel better when my own vulnerabilities are exposed? Hands down, 100% every time, connection. Yeah. Because that makes me feel like I'm not alone. If I feel exposed, I just want someone to come and put their arms around me, metaphorically speaking, give me a big hug and be like, 
I'm also here with you. So yeah. then the co-conspirator thing mm-hmm. allows for that restorative connection yeah. with another person. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Okay. So listening is actually useful for me and my vulnerabilities. Yes. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. How do I do it? (laughs) And then that, we're going to go back to listen to David again. He's going to talk about reconciliation. Basically, just to sort of take off a little bit from what you were saying, it's sort of about when you feel, I don't want to say the word solid because that's not the right word. Maybe it's when you have a good understanding of your own vulnerabilities and you're able to hold yourself. Grounded and you're grounded, then when you feel grounded and you feel safe, then you have more capacity to listen. Yes. Yes. You don't agree? No, I don't not agree, but I'm just thinking about if we're listening and exposing our vulnerabilities by opening ourselves up with another person in a vulnerable manner, Mm -hmm. then we're less likely to feel grounded so listening is going to be harder yes but yes you're 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 right in the sense that then the listening shouldn't just be about fixing ourselves and making ourselves feel more comfortable but it can be about both of those things you know you I think you can feel yeah the the goal is to feel comfortable being vulnerable maybe you're grounded whilst also being able to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. because if you're grounded and closed off that's not useful for listening. And if you're vulnerable and flailing, also not useful for listening. So you need a combination. Yeah. And I think a groundedness in your sense of self allows you to open up for connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're a bit wobbly, then that makes it a whole lot harder. Christ, it's all about us, isn't it? What are we doing here? Why aren't we just like going off and doing some mindfulness for a I don't know. (laughs) Let's hear David talk about reconciliation. Yeah. (laughs) Bring it home, David. Because sometimes there is a need to fight or to seek justice or to recognise wrong. I I guess my hope within all of that process is that we're not trying to score points. We're trying to reconcile. That When you look at moments internationally where this is done very well, so I think immediately of the truth and reconciliation trials within within South Africa, the end of the apartheid moment, where it's like, oh, my word. So if, if anyone wants a beautiful picture of reconciliation done on a political, national and personal scale, Desmond Tutu and the entire process of ending apartheid in South Africa of just like, how do you start to listen to people knowing that you're going to need to move on and knowing that you're going to have to heal and work out what does next look like in a way where you can't just be holding the, but when am I going to get payback for certain things? Is uh, is just that as as an a moment contemporary that is worth investing in and hearing a bit more about. I I urge people towards moments like that because there is a definite need for people who have been wronged to be able to be heard and to be able to have the person who has wronged them to know that they have wronged them. What is the moment of justice we are seeking? And what are we willing to risk and what are we pursuing in getting that justice? Because if it's just about an opinion, Maybe it's not justice I was seeking, and maybe it's just a feeling of being right. What is the moment of justice we are seeking? Jesus Christ, David. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How do we answer that question? Oh my God. It's, it's right, you know, it's important. He raises a really, really important point that if it's about 
what are we seeking and is what we're seeking just the feeling of being right yes in which yes. case that's a different conversation to yes. I actually want to connect with you and yes. try and figure this out yes definitely this feels like the right time to acknowledge that the last couple of years have been enormously frustrating for many people yeah and that while we are learning things about the way to live our lives and while people are finally being able to share truths that have not been widely listened to when we as I'm speaking you and me do our listening Mm -hmm. what are we seeking as we're listening and that counts for anyone who is trying to listen to somebody whose experience they don't have. Yeah. Why are we listening? Are we listening to then try and be right after we've absorbed the information? Mm -hmm. Or are we seeking justice? Christ. Sounds like a really weighty thing, but I suppose that is linked to connection and vulnerability and some of the stuff that we were talking about before. I mean, it's obviously much bigger than that. Justice hopefully is practical and tangible in the world as well. Yeah. I definitely think it's linked to connection, though, hearing the stories of people who have a different experience to us. I mean, if you're listening to those stories just to try and, I don't know, prove a point or find a way in which you can be right. Yeah, but that's a common story. Absolutely. What David was just saying about understanding that some uncomfortable truths need to be aired and need to be heard. Yeah. And then... That, that everyone does have to move forward. You know, if listening is this co-conspirator thing that we're talking about, mm-hmm. everyone can go forward. Everyone yeah. can go forward on the journey. Yeah. But we just, I'm doing this, I'm doing this like moving forward thing with my yeah. hand. <laughs> um, but you can't leave people behind. Exactly. It's a team. Go together, move forward, being connected. Yeah. Connected. All right. I mean, what David said generally was, yeah, clearly thought-provoking. <laughs> Well, and I think, yeah, the reconciliation and the why you're listening is really important to examine and be aware of. Yeah. We're going to slightly change onto a more practical tone. Okay. So Duncan is who we're going to hear from. Okay, great. And he has a a little exercise that you can do as, yeah, a way to practice listening. Okay. Finding out what's going on for the other person. All right, great. Hit it. is there's that wonderful little exercise that you can do with children that basically we can all benefit from, which is where you let the first person speak and the second person has to listen with the intensity of trying to find out what's going on for that person. Not just the words, but the feelings and the thoughts. And the second person has to simply repeat using the language of the first what they've heard. When you get a bit more sophisticated at it, you might use a few of their words and an image. Or you might say, I've got a sense that this is disturbing for you. Now, the power of that is unbelievable because the other person, the first person, feels heard. Should we try and do it? Yeah. Okay, I'll say something. Um... Okay, let me just, just figure out what you're really doing. figure out and make sure I'm doing the exercise right. Okay. So I need to listen with the intensity of trying to find out what's going on for you. Not just the words, but the feeling. 
and I have to repeat using your language. Yeah, I'm really trying to think of something to say. Okay, <laughs> it has been raining. It has been raining. The rain makes me sad. When I see it raining all day outside and it's grey and I can't go anywhere, I feel very trapped and I wish that it was sunny. Oh. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm hearing is it's raining a lot at the moment and that makes you feel really sad and you just want it to be sunny because when it rains it makes you feel trapped I sense it makes you feel trapped physically because you maybe feel like you you don't want to go outside because it's miserable yeah but maybe it also makes you feel trapped emotionally (laughs) I feel like we shouldn't be laughing (laughs) there's a laugh at the other person (laughs) I've already failed Does it make you feel like everything's a bit depressing and a bit doom and gloom and a bit deflated? Yeah, it makes me feel like there's, yeah, a bit deflated because there isn't a lot of potential to reach for. So that's the emotional trapping. You always want to be thinking what I always want to be thinking. There's there's more to do or there's something to hope for or something to move forward for. And being trapped inside all the time and having it rain outside all the time, you know, it yeah, deflated is a, is a good yeah. way of putting it because you don't feel like you can aim for yeah. anything. And you said, yeah, it's something about wanting to feel hopeful yeah. and maybe when it's raining and cold and grey that that feels less hopeful. Yeah, I think it does. Less, less hopeful for the possibilities of exciting stuff. Yeah, happening. there's something about a sunny day that just makes you throw you know that, that laundry advert and <laughs> breathes in the lovely scent of spring or yeah. whatever it's just yeah exactly okay so I think what we've concluded there is I need some sort of <laughs> UV light yeah okay <laughs> but that, that was good before you said that I hadn't thought because physically trapped is very obvious because I like running and yeah I like cycling mm-hmm. so those things I can't do when yeah so I think that I often think, oh, it's just, I'm really annoyed because I can't do my exercise. Yeah. But then I forget that exercise is an important part of my mental health. And that's actually why I'm annoyed that I can't do it as well as yeah. my physical health. And yeah, I feel like I can't work as well. Yeah. Sometimes when it's raining. Yeah. Because um, I don't really feel hopeful about what I'm making or mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Good points, Han. That did work. Fantastic. <laughs> we were listening to this exercise before. And when Duncan <laughs> said it, I think we were both afterwards upset into you. Like, yeah, we, we don't really... We don't really need it. We're quite good listeners. So, like, <laughs> I was at least thinking that. No, I don't really need that. But actually, that worked really yeah, nice. That was great. A yeah. good one to remember. All right, cool. <laughs> Thanks, Duncan. Thanks, Hannah. Well, we're going to go back to Duncan okay. briefly because I really enjoyed this little interaction that you two had during our interview. Oh, Christ. What um, <laughs> no, 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 you weren't <laughs> saying anything bad at all. But you were basically asking him in a moment of disagreement, how are you supposed to know what the other person is bringing? I guess their emotional baggage and, mm-hmm. you know, how that's going to affect the interaction that you're having but your point to Duncan was like you're not going to know everyone's you know 
childhood histories, especially if it's a stranger. Okay, so hang on, hang on. Just blowing it out for context slightly. So we were talking to Duncan in the overall interview we had with Duncan because he runs this fantastic organisation, Useful and Kind. Yeah. So his focus is on empathy. Yeah. That's a big part of his work. We were talking to him about empathy. Yes. So then he was saying in the interview, people bring all sorts of stuff to disagreements and you've got to be empathetic about the stuff that somebody might be bringing. But my question then was, well, how the hell am I supposed to know what someone's bringing? You know, I barely even know what I'm bringing. How do I know what someone else is bringing? (laughs) So how can I be sensitive to that? Yeah. And his answer presumably is in this episode about listening because it has something to do with listening. Yeah. Great. I'm in. Actually me and that person and whoever else is involved in the conversation are bringing all of this baggage with us that has so much of an impact. All we can do, I guess, is understand ourselves more. We can't do extensive childhood research on the other person that we're going to. So all we can do is know what we're bringing to the table. And surely that's important. Well, I slightly disagree. Great. Oh, great. Fantastic. Oh, I'm offended (laughs) and intrigued all at the same time. You got there. Um, Because you say we don't know it. Well, actually, if you stop, shut up and pay attention to yourself, you do know it somatically. Well, if you're back to the mirror neurons, what you are receiving in your body is all that stuff with all those ghosts behind them. And what you are receiving is how they expected their primary caregiver to respond. Remind me quickly about the mirror neuron. What the hell are mirror neurons? The mirror neurons, Duncan spoke more about that in depth when we interviewed him about empathy. But basically, they are, when you're with a person, Mm. we mirror each other and we mirror each other's emotional states yeah the example he gave was if you have a a mother and her baby if the mother is feeling sad the baby picks up on that feeling and so it will recognize this feeling and it will take that on as well got it okay so that's that's a sort of a a deeper more emotional or, or maybe very closely related i don't know thing of when you like someone you mirror their body language yeah Yeah, so when you're connected to someone, you mirror them emotionally. Because empathy is feeling what the other person is feeling. Yeah. Rather than just understanding what the other person is feeling from a distance and being like, oh, okay, cool, over there. Which is sympathy, I guess. Okay, all right. So his point then is if mirror neurons, which are these things inside all of us, give us our ability to feel empathy Mm -hmm. because they literally help us to tap in emotionally to what the other person is feeling and experience some of that yeah then as long as we pay attention to what we're experiencing we get a sense of what the other person is experiencing and that his argument is that works the same for listening to the essence of someone or what they're bringing to an article of disagreement or whatever so they don't necessarily have to have told you their life story yes because and you're not going to pick it all up like a mind reader no no you're <laughs> you're definitely not since the when you were seven <laughs> really annoyed by the color of your mother's curtains yes <laughs> with you. Okay, but what on. he's really saying is if you emotionally listen to what's going on in your body and what the other person is reflecting back at you you can get a sense of where they're coming from or maybe 
a sense of what they're bringing to the conversation. Right. So that is listening on a deeper level, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's still important. But this is exactly what I feel like you're trying to tell me in this episode, Hannah, is that listening, and as she said it right at the beginning, is not just a, "Mm, uh uh-huh, yeah, Yeah. oh, mm." it's, It's so much deeper than that. And it's so much more complex as well. And actually relates out to loads of other parts of disagreement, loads of other episodes that we have and we're going to have. Yeah. Because in order to tap into that depth within yourself, to pay attention to what is going on with you and therefore picking up on what's going on with the other person or the other people, you've got to be grounded, like you said before. And in order to do that, maybe you've got to work on your breathing Mm -hmm. and everything relates. I think listening is a much bigger thing than I'd thought about. Well, I think it's having a really, really solid sense of who you are and your vulnerabilities, which we mentioned earlier. And the more that you have that self-knowledge, then I think the more it can open you up to listening not just with your ears Mm. but listening with your body and on a more connected level yeah it's fantastic but I think I'm gonna need a nap after this episode yeah (laughs) it feels like a lot doesn't it (laughs) well luckily for you we're nearly done all right good we're on to the last little section um basically The general consensus that we have, I think, heard throughout this episode is that if you can learn to listen really well and really hear and provide space for the other person, then there's a capacity for healing. And like Ashley said at the beginning of the episode, listening is a tool for change. Ah, yes. Tool for change. Tool for change. (laughs) So we are finally going to hear from... A really fantastic man called Riney. He is an actor. Mm-hmm. He is a director, acting coach, teacher, facilitator, and all round just really brilliant human being. And he said some really great things to us on lots of different subjects. Right, yeah. Um, we, lot, we did. It was a really great talk. But here we are just going to listen to him talk about active listening. You've been using the term active listening, both of you. I think that means leaning in. I think that means perspective taking. I think that means not armoring up, you know, on both parts. I think listening, deep listening, constructive, tense, awkward listening, and that bridging the gap kind of thing that we need as a society so that we could unite because we've been so divided. I think it requires us being mindful about the moments when we become emotionally triggered and going, okay, how can I bypass that to cultivate something that's a bit more constructive and not run away? And, you know, the paradox of this is what I believe in, but I'm listening and I'm open. God, he's so wise. Well, he just speaks to so much of the stuff that we've been (laughs) wrestling with live in this episode. The way that he is able to say when he's being emotionally triggered, how can I still engage in active listening? It's just very brave of him and like cool to hear that coming from him. Yeah. And I just love how he says bridging the gap 
yeah it's about uniting it's all about connection stuff yeah yeah it's all about which is what everyone has been saying yeah it's about bringing people together not pushing people apart yeah that's what listening does apparently listening does really good listening so basically everyone should practice that exercise that Duncan yeah, that was gave us. Cool. Yeah. That is a good place to start. Yeah, that's a really, really good place to start. Is that your main takeaway, do you think, from this crazy episode? I feel like we've been on a real journey there, Hannah. I think we have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, practically speaking, that is a really succinct and quite simple exercise to practice. Yeah. So I, I think actually, yeah, I think as a simple takeaway, that's really great. Shall we write it out and put it in the show notes? Yeah. The other big takeaway for me, which is probably the, the deeper takeaway, yes. is that connection to yourself and knowledge of yourself is kind of vital. Mm-hmm. And is your cue to knowledge is, of other yeah. humans. Yeah. Your key, sorry. Your key to the knowledge of other human beings and allows you to have the capacity to yeah. listen properly. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely also say that listening is much more about connecting than I had properly thought about probably mm. even though I was in all these conversations with all these human <laughs> beings when they were originally recorded yeah the way you, you've put it together mm. has just yeah it's mm. a lot more about connection and I think the good thing about that exercise is that's just a starting point but yeah. like, you're not going to suddenly know yourself in a day no 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 um, or anyone else <laughs> but exercises like that are a really good jumping off point mm-hmm. to be like oh, okay, I think this is kind of interesting and it kind of works. I wonder where this can lead me. So, yeah, Thanks, that's Anne. it. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I'll try and find more connections. Yeah. Thank I love you, you long. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you. We need to get better at asking more questions and asking open-ended questions like, can you help me understand what that's like for you? Um, why? Simple questions like that and then actually listening, you know? That was Eggshells. If you liked that episode, then tune in to others about how to disagree better by visiting our website or searching for us on your podcast provider. Please like this podcast on Apple, give it a five-star review and tell all your friends about it. Support for independent podcasts like ours is vital and we hugely appreciate it. If you fancy getting in touch, we're at helloeggshells at gmail.com and we love a chat. Eggshells is hosted by me, Hannah Leach and Lizzie Vaughan. Our sound designer is Andreas Petru and our music is by Willard Hill and Andreas Petru. Big thank you to Bex Arthur and Marcella Tarabla, as well as all the beautiful guests featured on today's podcast. See you soon.